0: Shush, shush, be quiet, there's a lot of dogs around Fritz's house, he's got like four dogs, stop, I don't want to wake your dad up, shush, shush, all right, milk bones for all, okay, all right, all right, good, all right, uh, in the kitchen now, oh. Uh, refrigerator, yes, cup of coffee, Gotta convince Fritz that uh, Medicare for all is important. And uh, oh oh my God, what the hell, what what, what the hell is this? Two, 2% two milk reduced for, com- come on, we gotta go with skim milk. Skim milk or almond milk? Bastard. What do we got, uh, something for coffee, good coffee. Ooh, half and half, yes. Countryside creamery, half and half. Perfect. Good compliments for coffee. It's an awful lot of beer in there too for somebody who says they don't need Medicare for all. Yeah, <laughs> fool himself. All right. Half and half. Get over here. Check this out. Uh, oh yes. Here I am yelling at the damn dogs for being loud, and here I am being loud. Bernie, what the hell? Uh, Oh, oh, Keurig. ooh, this is awesome. Oh, he's got different different coffee flavors. Pipe Creek Roastery. Blueberry Cinnamon Crumble. <laughs> Talk about the top tenth to of 1% of coffee lovers. What the hell? I get some cup, a cup of coffee cups. I stop being so goddamn loud, Bernie. Jeez. I think we're gonna go get a cup for him too. Work over this, you know, but something, you know. Bur- Bernie, oh, 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 wait, uh, there you are. Hey, uh, uh, how, how you doing? <laughs> uh, what the hell are you doing in here, Bernie? What? The- well, you know, uh, you know, we've been having such misunderstandings about, uh, you know, some of the talking points and all that. I figured I'd come in here, I'd make us, uh, you know, a couple cups of coffee, and uh, perhaps you and I could discuss something that is. Very dear, dear to my heart. Oh my God, are you going to go off about Medicare for all again? Because I, you broke into my house. What the hell? I, I didn't break into your house. I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that. I didn't break into your house. It's not, it's not. I didn't, I didn't barge at the front door. Dogs were very, you know, they very nice. They're very calm. Milk bones for all. That, that I, I, I promised them I would get them milk bones for all. So, uh, before. This day is over. Can you maybe drive me to Walmart and buy some milk bones for your dogs to not make me a liar to them? Jesus, Bernie, what do you mean you didn't break in? Uh, uh, Look, 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 look. You left a window unlocked. I know you leave a window unlocked. You told me about the one time that you accidentally locked your keys in the house and you couldn't get back in, but then you remembered you leave a window open. So you grabbed the ladder and you climbed in your house while everybody looked at you like you were a lunatic trying to break in. No, that that's not that. But that doesn't mean that you could come in my window. I mean, what are you doing here? Look, 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 look. I was just making us a cup of coffee. I think that we can really sit down and have a good discussion about Medicare for all. I mean, come over here. Look at your fridge. Look, look, look at this. Look, look. You got, you got. Beers over here, yingling. You got, you got, look, look, look look at this. Look, look, look. Two, two percent milk. You really think that's good for you? Alright, you wanna know why insurance premiums are so high? It's because you're drinking two percent milk. You could be drinking, you could be drinking skim milk or almond milk or soy milk. Something other than two percent. Look at, look at some of these coffee creamers. Half and half, half and half. It's great. Half and half. It's grade A, ultra pasteurized. It's not bad for you. But but International Delight Reese's peanut butter cups, that's bad for you. Jimmy Deed sausage is bad for you. I mean the you know, I mean, and, and here you all say you don't want Medicare for all. You know why I don't want Medicare for all, Bernie? You know why I, I am a staunt, like you know what? Let's just go into the next episode of Fritz Cat. Let's leave it at that. Oh oh no, no, yeah, look, I, I look looking forward to it. Um God, but seriously, Walmart. Can we go? Get out! Get out! All right, all right. All right. I'll see myself out. But call me when you're a little bit more calm, all right? Because I would really enjoy having this discussion. This is FritzCast. I told you I would be debuting a new theme song This is the same band as our first theme song, Let It Out This is Jerrytown And this is As Big As You Are I'll be alternating between this theme and the other theme I just want to play it to the chorus real
1: quick So, get ready for this week's episode It's a little jam-packed
0: We have a, a couple of debates to go over Of course, the updates on the Donald Trump situation and all that And more coming up Get ready and tighten your seat. It's Friday, October 18th, 2019, and welcome to a new edition of the FritzCast. How was y'all's week last week, y'all's week? Isn't that, uh, don't you just love my English? Me fail English? That's impossible. <laughs> Let's try that again. How was, how was, how, how did you enjoy your week this past week from between last episode and this episode? Good? Bad? Indifferent? I don't know. Uh, I'm getting ready to push out a, a new database blog post because um, some people like uh, like my wife, my sister, my wife's aunt, uh, in some some cases my mother pr- probably, although she's not as vocal about it, but some people are freaking vocal because I, apparently apparently I don't put out enough database blog posts. And that every couple of weeks is not good enough. So. Probably going to put out a database blog post. Maybe tonight. Maybe I'll make him wait. Maybe I'll make him sweat it out. I don't. I am haven't. I haven't decided yet. But in any case. Uh, you know. Kiddo is, is. The thing with Emery. Is that she's. She's. A healthy baby. And everybody asks you the same questions. It's always the same. How's the baby doing? Is the baby sleeping through the night? Um, You know, all this stuff. Which, if you read on the studies, if you know people with actual personal experience in the matter, you know, every baby is different and... Sometimes there is no right way or wrong way to do things. You know, it's a very complex issue and this is what I'm going to discuss on the on the blog post. So I'm not going to go into a big tangent or tirade and drag you all into it right now. But I think people need to think through how they how they phrase things. How how they talk about certain things because w- when you hear somebody go, "Hey, how's the baby? Is the baby sleeping through the night?" you know, you're like I don't know if it's like in jest, you know, like, like just a little. I've been there before and I know, you know. But uh, uh, some some things, you know, you might talk about different things because there's different ways to do things. You ca- can you believe that? You know, some people, some people put their babies in a bassinet next to their bed, in in their room, and that's how the baby sleeps. Some people have a pack-and-play that has a bassinet attachment, and that's how they put the kids to sleep. Some people have those little sleeper things that you put in the bed with you, you know? There is no technical wrong way about about any of that stuff. Um, it's just amazing how, I guess, surefire people are that, that they have the right answer, that they have, you know, they have the dire experience that needs to be upon you. That's not I'm not criticizing people who want to give you advice because advice, tr- trust me, as new parents, me and my wife are open to all the advice that you have. Yes, su- advice, suggestions, tips, things like that. But don't don't come off on the my way is perfect and it's the right way and and you know all that crap. Because at the end of the day, it's not your kid that you're raising. It's it's, it's our kid. That we're raising, so I mean that that's something that is, I guess steps into parenthood really come into play. You you really start getting or at least noticing people who you know think they know best, imparting their knowledge <laughs> upon you because you need it. You know, it's like the unsolicited advice thing. You know, you don't just blurt out unsolicited advice like because you had a kid. Now you are an expert in the field, or so to say. <laughs> You know, part of the reason I do the data, the database blog, is not to be some like you know. All right, well, I have experience now, and I'm imparting my wisdom upon you. It's not. That's not what it is. First, first and foremost, it's a vent thing. That's what that is. Writing is therapeutic to me. That's why I've you know I've been writing a story for, you know, God who knows like a past year or so. Been working on a story. Just, just because I love sitting at. at the, the computer and typing up and and making a plot and a story and all that stuff and i also like doing it when it comes to aspects of my life and guess what being a father it's brand freaking new to me grew up without my father because he passed away when i was uh four years old so there's a lot of different nuances that go into my mentality with this whole becoming a father and becoming a parent thing and so the the database blog first and foremost it's therapeutic it's therapy <laughs> that's it's therapy it's it's how i get all the thoughts and and stuff out of my head i uncram it from my head put it on paper and then it's it's done you know but i also do it because i know there's people out there who are like you know i wish i could read something i wish i could do something better i'm not as good you know as as i think i am or or whatever it may be that's why I do the database <laughs> blog post. It's not to say, hey, here's what we do. Here's the expert opinion. And and people need to realize that too. For instance, if you're a brand new listener to the podcast, because I just, I just um, opened up a whole new slew of Facebook invites to people who either – they might not have known I did the podcast. They might have not have known that I had the Facebook page for it, but I might have some new listeners uh, popping in today. And if if you're popping in, great, welcome. Uh, this is Fritzcast. We're uh, we're a, a one-man operation. It's me. I do it. It's me. I don't have a writer. I don't have a producer. I don't have an editor. I do it all. Uh, I do it all at home. Uh, bare bones operation here. Uh, I do do little stupid skits. Uh, with Bernie Sanders. Some people think that that's an impression that I'm doing of Bernie Sanders. It's not. You know, me and him vehemently disagree on politics. Uh, a lot of policies and how to do things, but. Uh, as ever I am about building bridges And not being total dicks to everybody, you know I offer the hand of friendship, you know And he breaks into my house And tries to entice me in conversation about Medicare for All Over cups of coffee Which, in the first place, was actually my own cups of coffee Now that I think about it And my own creamer And, uh did he did ask me to take him to Walmart to get some doggy bones I uh, that's beside the point. The point is is that uh you might be coming you might be coming and listening to this just out of curiosity. So you might some people come here interested in libertarianism because they're they're just starting off, they're getting their feet wet uh so to speak in libertarian philosophy and all that. Some people just want to hear a different point of view, uh, a different opinion and all that. And everything I talk about on here, I mean at the end of the day, everything that I'm talking about is my opinion. Um, I'm not saying that it's the best. I'm not saying it's right. Uh, I'm not saying that you'll agree with it. You, you, there's, Trust me, there's tons of people that do not agree with my philosophy, uh, my political philosophy, my governmental philosophy. There's lots of people that don't agree with it. Uh, this isn't necessarily – I didn't make this program necessarily to – Change people, change people's minds, convince them of the error of their ways, you know, or anything like that. It's literally just I'm just calling it how I see it. I'm just calling it how I see it, and I'm uh, I'm a layman. Hopefully, I'm using that term right. I'm a layman. I'm I'm literally. I went to college. I have a bachelor's degree in communications, uh, with a focus on small business. I work in law enforcement, <laughs> so. There's a bunch of libertarians who's like, ah, oh, he's 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 a false god. He, he's a statist. He works for the government. So everything that he's doing is fake. That's right. And my pockets are lined deeply with that money. Not. It's not lined with that money. <laughs> at all. But uh, I started it up because I have an interest in politics. I've been interested in hearing differences of opinion. I like bridging those gaps that's like how this program right now is going through an evolution we've been doing Fritzcast since 2015 i say we that's me and my multiple personalities that's a, we have been doing fritzcast for for since 2015 and some of you have been on board since day one god bless you because i've done an episode every week since 2015 i don't know how your mind hasn't melted out of your head yet but we'll keep going until it does or Or otherwise Uh, And if you're just joining You're just joining But uh, that's the point of this program I have a more libertarian Limited government perspective of things And how I would uh, How I think The world should work That's the you know And I'm a very you know Some people say they're constitutionalists So I'm a big constitutionalist guy You know if it's in the constitution The constitution is our Is our holy bible We must adhere to our constitution. And I do agree with aspects of that. That was my ring camera. But it looks like nobody's there. (laughs) I could just go look at the front door. There's nobody there. So it's either the goddamn bugs that fly around my camera. Uh, or it caught a car driving by, or some crap. Oh, it was my crazy neighbor lady. Okay, all right. It was just crazy lady. We're good. We're good. I don't have to. <laughs> I don't have to defend the home front. We're good. Where was I though? Constitution, right? So yeah, some people are constitutionalists. I uh, I'm a. I always say I'm a declarationist. I follow things that are in that founding document, the Declaration of Independence. I think it's a great piece of literature in our history, especially the fact that the, the Declaration of Independence. Uh, when people talk about the Constitution, the Constitution is something that our government officials have voted on, ratified, and and have accepted as what is law and what are rights. You know, the Declaration of Independence bluntly states in its opening passages that we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. That they're endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, and that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, yada, 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 yada. Point is Declaration of Independence states our rights don't come from the government. Some people think that the government bestows rights upon us, you know, and we should be the grateful little sods that we are for getting. These rights from the government, all right. And the way that I look at it is that like government scoops up all the rights and says, okay, they're not actually your rights. Like you did have these to begin with, but we're gonna scoop them all up and take them over here. And we're gonna say, okay, we're gonna trickle some over here. And we're gonna say these are some of your rights, and these are some of your rights, and these are some of your rights. But this stuff over here is debatable. This is these like this isn't stuff that you're born with. This isn't stuff that uh, you just invariably have a right to. Like. We're gonna we're gonna take it over here, and uh, then we're gonna vote on it and legislate it and figure out uh, what your rights will be and what your rights won't be. That's how I see government how it's worked out up till now. <laughs> you know, government's supposed to defend your rights. Our government does a great job of nitpicking that down to the nitty gritty bare bones of you know here's here's what you can have, and even then they f- even then they fuck it up. <laughs> I'm sorry, I do cuss. I'm sorry. Uh if if you knew me you would understand why <laughs> but but government takes that and they think they have a good thing going for them but they screw it up all the time um because uh, your 4th amendment right gets violated like every day by the government um the NSA that entire agency unconstitutional but here it is here it is here it is in daily operations of the united states and then you have people like eric snowden who's a whistleblower hey we got whistle- we got whistleblower stuff going on right now <laughs> You got Eric Snowden who's out in hiding because he leaked out what the NSA was doing. Hey, they're they're actively violating the Fourth Amendment of the Constitution of the United States. Oh, Eric Snowden bad. Lock him up. He's a traitor. Uh, you know, that's that's where we're at with this. But before I go on a tangent and, and drag this out longer than it has to be, if you're new here, welcome. If you're old here, I'm sorry that you went through the same spiel that you've heard probably a dozen times. You know, but it is it is what it is. It is what it is. And uh so what I wanted to discuss today revolves around uh the Democratic debate. But you know what? Before I dive into that, I have to pump the brakes and I have to stop. Did you guys know? That there was, a, it was hosted by Business Insider. There was a Republican debate because, and, and in case you didn't know, because the mainstream media wouldn't talk about it because they see it as a joke. But Business Insider hosted a debate between uh, Bill Weld and Joe Walsh. Not the guitarist Joe Walsh. Former congressman, I'm going to grab my musket Joe Walsh. That's, that. they had a debate between those two. And I watched that debate. Uh, because I do this program and I'm a nerd and I take the interest in doing that so that some of you out there don't have to. And uh, if uh, if you want a highlight of what that debate was, it essentially, it was awkward because it was such a small studio audience that was there for Business Insider. Just for perspective, if you watched the Libertarian debates in 2016 on John Stossel's show, he had a bigger crowd for... For Austin Peterson and Gary Johnson and John McAfee, did I say it right, Brian? Did I say it right? I I just made Brian Nichols of the Brian Nichols Show proud if I said it right, McAfee or McAfee. I maybe I fucked it up. I don't know. I don't know. I don't care. Anyway, so they had this small studio audience, and the whole sus the whole substance of that debate was Joe Walsh going, listen, this isn't about debate this isn't about me debating Bill Weld. This is about Donald Trump, the worst president in the United States history, who is bad, he's racist, uh he's uh he's 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 a bad cookie. And the moderator's going, Well Joe, you know, in, in twenty twelve you tweeted about how Barack Obama is a Muslim and also Disparaging things about his race and other people's race, and you don't like gay people, and we have tweets to back that up too. So, what do you have to say about that? Listen, I make mistakes, but you know, Donald Trump is really the bad guy here. He does it way worse than I do. <laughs> there was that, and then Bill Weld was just there talking about, you know, well, well yeah, you know, I think, uh, you know, I think Donald Trump, I mean, he's gonna be impeached, and uh, you know, I think Republicans uh want a better option. I mean, obviously they flocked to vote for me when I was vice president of the Libertarian Party, and I effectively endorsed Hillary Clinton for president. But uh, you know, I mean and and you know, Hillary isn't a bad person. Everybody wants to rag on Hillary, she's a tough kid. That was the highlight <laughs> of the businesses. Don't watch it. Don't watch it. It was it was it was just a cluster. Maybe not much. Maybe not as much of a cluster as the next debate I'm gonna talk about. But uh yeah, there's there's Republicans trying to primary Donald Trump. And you know what's interesting? I think that uh that should be a thing. That should absolutely be a thing. We have term limits on the presidency, but I don't see why the Republicans can't have a primary, a little, you know, competition amongst themselves. For the presidency of the United States, I would have, I would highly entertain it right now, <laughs> because of the whole uh, possible impeachment proceedings coming forward, and uh, the fact that Donald Trump is a giant baby who just cannot stop being a five-year-old for four seconds of his life, and uh, <laughs> he he does no favors, but at the same time. In, in, in case you haven't noticed, this political f- environment, it's kind of a clusterfuck. And is kind of not going to make a difference. But yeah, that's beside the point. I mean, Donald Trump just had a meltdown with Nancy Pelosi. And it's funny because you can dig up all his praise of Pelosi before now. But now it's, you know, crazy Nancy Pelosi. Crazy Nancy Pelosi. She stormed out of this meeting. <sighs> it's unbelievable. And what's more unbelievable on top of all of that is that there's such a a divide. And I mean, it's a vicious divide among us to the degree that uh, we can't even be like logical about the stuff anymore. You know, when Donald Trump and I said this back in 2015, when Donald Trump was starting to spout those lines about how he could walk out on Fifth Avenue and shoot a man and, and people would still vote for him that it was dangerous. Because it was dangerous. You shouldn't I don't want to hear that from a president. You know, I don't want to hear that from the highest office in the United States. And it's really funny because um some of the people that I'm friends with that voted for Donald Trump, they uh they voted for him. Because they they just couldn't bring themselves to vote for Hillary Clinton. And I understand that. I understand that aspect. I don't understand, however, that uh, I I don't understand the people that uh, are on board with my philosophy about uh, limited government and a limited federal role especially the federal role um, I, I never understood how they got behind Donald Trump and I never understood how they're, they're so quick to they're so quick to defend Donald Trump I guess because other people are so quick to to criticize Donald Trump But it's like this blind devotion thing. I don't understand a blind devotion to anybody political. Um, I'm always skeptical of the politician. uh, Because they have power. They're in a position of power. They are... They're in a class of their own. Like, you know, when people talk about, oh... You know, Bernie Sanders is fighting for the little man. Well, Bernie Sanders has been in government service, like, literally... All of his life. Every dollar that that man has earned, including writing his book that made him a millionaire, which has conveniently made him stop talking about millionaires and just say billionaires all the time. I, that that jab right there at Bernie Sanders, by the way, if you're listening and going, oh, he's one of these people. Literally, go back to the 2015 election cycle. You can listen to some of my podcast episodes because I did soundbites, soundbites, soundbites all the time. Bernie Sanders' rhetoric in 2015 was to say millionaires and billionaires and millionaires and billionaires and millionaires and billionaires. billionaires. Now, he never says the word millionaire because he has one, because he has three homes. So he doesn't say millionaire anymore. He says specifically billionaire. And I get some of his rhetoric, all right? When we talk about when we're talking about taxes and companies are getting taxed, you know, Amazon's paying zero dollars, some of these other big monstrosity, you know, corporations are paying zero dollars while other companies are, small businesses are and all that. I get the argument of if taxes exist, then there's no dogging them. Like I get that argument. Uh and I'm not the typical libertarian. You might have heard Of the typical libertarian waving the taxation is theft banner as a as a gold beacon of light that everybody will flock to. Um, I'm not wholly the taxes are debatable. Some taxes are straight up theft like like income tax. I don't think any American should be taxed on their income period period. I don't think any American should be taxed for earning money. Care if you're making a dollar, ten dollars, fifteen dollars, twenty thousand dollars in a year, seventy thousand dollars in a year, a hundred and fifty thousand dollars in a year, or a million dollars in a year. If you, if that's your earnings, I don't believe that you should be taxed on your earnings. And some people can't wrap their head around that stance, but take a layman like me who looks at my federal taxes and my state taxes and then my property taxes and my Social security taxes, and uh, at the end of the day, I'm like, none of this is working for me. It's actually putting me in a bind because I can't pay off my own debt because the government's taking my money. And then we get into <laughs> we get into the cycling the drain argument with everybody about uh, the implied social contract and roads and bridges and yada 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 yada. And I'm just I'm not doing that right now. Not doing it right now. But. My point is, sorry about the tangent. I do that a lot too. Welcome. This is how my brain works. Bernie Sanders, as genuine as you want to say he is, um, still in a in a class of his own, still in a political class. Politicians are in their own class. When we talk when they talk about the politicians relating to the little man, I don't I don't believe it. Alright, I don't believe it. And if you want to say, if you want to cite Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez as an example, my God, no. Like, within three weeks or four weeks of her job, she was saying that she needed a raise. And she's making more money than she ever made in her life. And she was talking about how she needs a raise. No. Not hearing it. She's in a class of her own now. along Among the, the political ruling class in America. She's part of that now. So I'm getting way off course here. I'm going to reel it back in. Because I just listened to the last five minutes and I was like, oh crap. I definitely... I'm not sticking on subject. So, point is, people are blindly devoted to Trump, but people are also blindly voted devoted to to Bernie Sanders. To to the people build their own echo chambers. the The internet and social media has been a pariah on society for that because people can just tune out people that they don't want to hear. They mute them, they block them, they turn the other way. They don't want to talk about these issues too. That's the the biggest thing is that we're not talking to each other. I hope in the coming months that I'm going to curb this program to start having guests on to talk about different political uh, views and experiences and, and life in general because I think these discussions are important, and I think overall we're not having these discussions, which I think is important. I think it's important that we have these discussions. So I talked about a Republican debate that was between Bill Weld and Joe Walsh. Oh man. Uh don't watch it. I mean go watch it if you're like if you're nerdy and truly curious go go watch it but but don't don't go watch it. <laughs> don't go watch it. The democratic debate that was held on uh the 15th of October was uh I believe it was the largest debate to date. The largest debate to date. Um With 12 candidates on stage, and it lasted from 8 p.m. to, like, 11 p.m. It was three hours of, uh... Mind you, I didn't think it was as much as a cluster as some of the other debates. Which is surprising, because this is how the format is gone. The, the, The first two debates were 20 candidates split into 10 two nights each. The third one was 10 candidates one night. Then the fourth one was magically 12 candidates one night. I thought we were supposed to be whittling down and narrowing down the field, but that's not... The Democrats aren't playing that game because they want to be sure that the highest polling person who has the potential to beat Donald Trump, a.k.a. Joe Biden, uh, they want to make sure that that's solidified before they go all in. (laughs) But... And if anybody wants to try to argue, like, you know, ah, the DNC isn't trying to curb anything, they're trying to let the democratic process play out, eh, eh. Prove it. Prove it to me. Because thus far, while it's not as egregious as it was in 2015 for being set up for Hillary Clinton, which it was, there was freaking, it started with four candidates or five can't remember. Four or five. I think it was five. 2015, five Democratic candidates. Let's see if I can do this on my hand. Hillary Clinton, anointed queen. Uh, also the only female. So it was Hillary Clinton. Lincoln Chafee, he was in like the first debate. I think he was only in the first debate. Jim Webb, Martin O'Malley, and Bernie mm-hmm. Sanders. Yes, five. And, by the way, they were all white and they were all old. But the Democratic Party was the one of diversity and and inclusiveness. But it was five old white farts in 2015 and 2016. And it was all set up for Hillary Clinton. It was Hillary Clinton's time and everybody else was supposed to take a backseat. So the DNC learned after that kerfluffle. It's a nice word, isn't it? Kerfluffle. After that kerfluffle, the DNC learned that you can't just blatantly set it up to be for one candidate and not have everybody get pissed off at you. <laughs> so they're not doing that this year, kind of, sorta. But let's just uh, let's use this as an example. Joe Biden should be under scrutiny for Hunter Biden sitting on this board of a of a company in Ukraine when the Ukrainian prosecutors were investigating something involving that company. And Joe Biden, I played the clip last week, was on saying that, uh, oh, we as America and Joe Biden, he was over there fighting corruption. So they had to get the corrupt attorney general or the prosecutor, the, the, the head prosecutor of Ukraine out because he was corrupt. I'm sorry, I'm not buying this whole, oh, Joe Biden's innocent and so is Hunter Biden. This is just Republicans digging up crap that's not even real. No, he was the vice president at the time. He had influence over there. He talked about how money wasn't going to get flowed to Ukraine and withheld, and, and Barack Obama supported it, but, but we're not talking about that. I mean, I think that there's some shady, maybe not illegal, maybe not illegal per se, but it's dirty. It's dirty, and guess what? Not one Democrat talked about that during the debate because they Democrats kind of have a pact to not beat up on Uncle Joe. Why? Why not? Have, why, why do they have a contract not to beat up on Uncle Joe? Is it Cory Booker's talking point about we need to be uh you know we have to have this unity about us? Um, I'm do. Uh, I, sometimes I do impressions and they're good. My Cory Booker probably isn't good because I think Cory Booker sounds like Kermit the Frog when he talks, and so I go more Kermit the Frog when I'm trying to intimidate him. You know, and I just think that, you know, I am Spartacus. You know, I was on the Senate floor and I was Spartacus. I don't think it's this unity play of the enemy here is the Republicans, guys. The the enemy, guys, the enemy here is the Republicans. We can't be up here attacking each other. <laughs> it's ridiculous. I don't see that unity there. I, I, I definitely see... Without it being said, a standing order, you don't talk about Joe Biden and the Ukraine thing. You don't mention it at all. If you do, we're taking you down. We're kicking you out. We'll adjust the poll numbers. We'll do whatever we got to do, and you will not be on that debate stage. And it doesn't matter anyway because those of you bringing it up are in the two percents. So fall in line or get out. That's how I see that play. That's literally how I see that play. They can't touch Joe Biden on that. The only person that really took stood up and wore the boxing gloves against Joe Biden in this last debate was Bernie Sanders, and it's over Medicare for all. And it's over valid stuff that Joe Biden brings up. This is the craziest thing. They attack Joe Biden on the valid stuff that he brings up. That's the crazy thing. Kamala Harris attacks Joe Biden for saying that she can't use executive order for gun control stuff, and she laughs it off. And says, "Oh yes, we can, because I said so." No, you can't. <laughs> you can't. You're going to attack Joe Biden when he's talking about the constitutional process. That's that's what you're going to attack Joe Biden on, really, really. You're going to attack Joe Biden on that, and you're going to attack Joe Biden on when he brings up the actual estimated cost of Medicare for all, Bernie. That's what, that's what that's when you're going to take on Uncle Joe when he brings up the legitimate numbers of Medicare for All. Now, to Bernie Sanders' credit, Bernie Sanders doesn't lie. Okay, Bernie Sanders does not lie on that debate stage when he talks about Medicare for All. He says that taxes are going to go up for everybody. He says the middle class is going to pay more taxes. He literally, he just fluffs it up with that line that says, oh, but, but you're going to like paying those taxes. You're going to like paying those taxes because the tax dollars are going to work for you. But then you got Elizabeth Warren, who, when she's asked about that, she totally dodges the question to her detriment. Whereas Bernie Sanders is up front and honest. She goes, she goes, I, I don't want to talk about the cost because it's it's the quality of care. Everybody's going to get the care that they need. And then she goes to attack Pete Buttigieg, who Pete Buttigieg gets up there. And if you're like I said, if you're new to the program, we call him Pete Buttigieg here, not. Judge or whatever. He's Booty Judge. He, he's the judger of the booties. She attacks Pete Booty Judge for coming up with a good idea. A public option for Medicare for those who want it and competing with those who have private insurance and trying to lure those people over in a competition to prove that his system is better rather than just banging a gavel and saying whether you like it or not, this is what you're going to get. And that's where Democrats and progressives lose a lot of people in this fight because people like me say, eh, I don't like government banging a gavel and saying this is how it is, deal with it, you know, especially for somebody like me who I work in a field, I can afford my health care through my field, I enjoy my health care through my field. Trust me, I do. It came in very handy in the birth of my daughter. It did. I'm truly grateful for the healthcare that I have that I pay a lot of money into, but I'm I'm happy, happily paying that money into it happily. And because I have the means to do that and I have the ability to do that, the government should respect that. Let me keep that and work on the people that cannot afford it. That's their focus should be on those people and trying to help those people and giving those people an option. Instead of lumping everybody together with, with with exactly the same stuff. Especially because Joe Biden brings up the cost and how are we going to pay for it? And then some people say it doesn't matter how we're gonna pay for it because money is fake. I don't I don't know <laughs> I don't know how to argue that <laughs> but I'm saying if people have health care and they want to keep it, you know, they want to keep their health insurance or whatever they should be able to do it. I mean, I really I don't see a good argument saying that you should be able to take it away from them and force them onto the government overseen version of it. Just saying it. Just saying it. But the other interesting takeaway from this last democratic debate was uh the talk over this Syria stuff. Uh with Donald Trump having recalled troops from Syria, I believe it was, uh, in response to Turkey wanting to come in and invade um, the, the territory that – I'm going to play a clip right now for you. Listen.
2: As president, I will end these regime change wars by doing two things. Ending the draconian sanctions that are really a modern-day siege, the likes of which we are seeing Saudi Arabia wage against Yemen that have caused tens and thousands of Syrian civilians to die and to starve. And I would make sure that we stop supporting terrorists like al-Qaeda in Syria who have been the ground force in this ongoing regime change war.
1: It's a consequence of a withdrawal and a betrayal by this president of American allies and American values. Look, I didn't think we should have gone to Iraq in the first place. I think we need to get out of Afghanistan, but it's also the case that a small number of specialized special operations forces and intelligence capabilities were the only thing that stood between that part of Syria and what we're seeing now, which is the beginning of a genocide and the resurgence of ISIS. Meanwhile, soldiers in the field are reporting that for the first time they feel ashamed, ashamed of what their country has done.
2: So really what you're saying, Mayor Pete, is that you would continue to support having U.S. troops in Syria for an indefinite period of time, to continue this regime change war that has caused so many refugees to flee Syria, that you would continue to have our country involved in a war that has undermined our national security. You would continue this policy of the U.S. actually providing arms and support to terrorist groups? In Syria, like Al Qaeda, HTS, Al Nusra, and others, because they are the ones who have been the ground force in this regime change war. That's really what you're saying,
1: Mayor Pete. No, No, you can embrace, or you can put an end to endless war without embracing Donald Trump's policy. Will you end the regime change war? Is the question. What we are doing. What is an endless war if it's not yet another regime
2: change war?
1: Please allow him to respond. What we are doing, or what we were doing in Syria, was keeping our word. Part of what makes it possible for the United States to get people to put their lives on the line to back us up is the idea that we will back them up too. When I was deployed, not just the the Afghan National Army Forces, but the janitors put their lives on the line just by working with U.S. forces. I would have a hard time today looking an Afghan civilian or soldier in the eye after what just happened over there. And it is undermining the honor of our soldiers. Now, Tulsi Gabbard comes under a lot
0: of flack from people because she's a Russian puppet asset and she's an Assad apologist. She met with with Assad, Bashar Assad, who's a bastard, a dictator, and a cold-blooded killer. He kills children. He gasses his own people. I get it. I get it. Tulsi Gabbard's not a Russian puppet asset. If you're saying that, you are... As brainwashed as somebody wearing a red MAGA hat thinking that Donald Trump can do no wrong. Just saying it. Just saying it. You are the extreme left fringe to complement the extreme right fringe. While the rest of us in the middle are trying to actually figure this shit out, this is what we have to freaking deal with. God. God. Uh, now, this, this this Syrian war thing, one of my favorite things is how people go, well, Tulsi Cabard's saying it's a regime change war, but it's not a regime change war. It's not a regime change war. Allow me to play another clip for you. And as I play it, I'm going to give you the dates and who's talking if you don't recognize the voices and all that. People are talking about, oh, the Syrian war is not a regime change war. Okay. Barack Obama, 2012.
2: I am confident that
0: Assad's days are numbered.
2: The world will not waver. Hillary Clinton, Assad 2012. Assad must go.
0: We both agree. Barack Obama, 2013. Assad needs to go.
3: It is just further evidence. John Kerry, 2013. That Assad has to go.
2: He is no longer legitimate. Barack Obama, 2013. And that he needs to go. For the sake of the Hillary Syrian Clinton people. Hillary Clinton, 2011. The time has come for him to
3: step aside. Assad is on his way out. We all need to be thinking about the day after Assad.
0: Assad. I don't know who that was. That was a White House guy, but that was uh, 2012. here's a a news report 2011 from CNN. Has lost all
3: legitimacy that his time has passed.
2: President uh, al-Assad has lost legitimacy that he needs to step down.
3: As I have said many times before, Assad has lost all legitimacy and Assad must go. And he has stated unequivocally that Assad has lost all legitimacy and cannot conceivably continue to govern. Assad has lost all legitimacy to govern.
2: We've also been clear that Assad
3: has lost all legitimacy to lead.
2: What we've done is organize the international community, saying Assad has to go. And I'm confident that Assad will go.
1: I am confident.
0: So, <clears throat> uh. Aside, 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 aside is a problem, side is a bad guy. Side side, 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 side has gotta go. Side has gotta go. That's a regime change war. Dummies. Seriously, it's a wreck. Two point But people just wanna say they just want to talk about how Donald Trump's screwing up what's going on now now no that doesn't mean I agree with uh what is going on now. Do we owe the Kurds something yeah we we went in and we milked the Kurds for all they were worth and said, here, fight, fight a war. by the way, we're here and we're calling the shots, but go fight go fight a war you know we'll 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 back you, yeah, it's regime change dummies so the other aspect of of the Syrian civil war stuff. Is people think it's really cut and dried, it's not. (laughs) It's not cut and dried. Would you like to know who is in Syria right now? Okay, there's a large portion of Syria is controlled by the Syrian government, the Syrian Arab Army and allies. You have the Golan Heights under Israel control. You have the anti-government U.S.-backed rebels, which is controlling a very small portion of it right now. if my Zoomy thing doesn't want to stop Zooming. Sorry. (laughs) Technical difficulties. Fritz is a retard. Uh, Anti-government forces of uh, Hayat, Tahir al-Sham, and allied jihadists. Uh, The Syrian Democratic Forces, YPG, uh, the Kurdish-led anonymous administration of North and East Syria. Uh, The Turkish Army and Jihadist Forces, Uh, the kurdish Afrin Liberation Forces, the Syrian Arab Army and Afrin Liberation Forces is it's a cluster and this map has been worse than it looks right now this syrian civil war will show you the active live and everything that's going on there too every attack every uh move that goes on and uh if you if you google <laughs> if you google search for the maps you can go to credible sources that have these maps that have changed over the years from 20, you know, 2012, 2013 on till now of how the forces have changed in control and all that stuff. Anybody wanting to talk about what's going on in Syria and how America knows what's best for going on in there? Mm 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 no. Mm mm no. No 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 no. It's Iraq 2.0. Everybody says Bush is a bastard for the Iraq war which was for oil quote unquote when you had John Kerry and Hillary Clinton and Joe Biden and a bunch of the other people like the only person that is actively um the only person that is actively running for president right now that was opposed to the Iraq war uh other than maybe the libertarian candidates but we can't even really touch up on that uh the, the only active one was 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 and I hate to say it, but it was our friend Bernard Sanders. He was against it. Bernie Sanders' foreign policy, I probably see very well eye to eye on because it's really Tulsi Gabbard's foreign policy. And uh, but we can't talk about Tulsi Gabbard because she 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 talked with Assad. What a bitch. Putin puppet, Republican talking points, yada yada yada. Smear, smear, smear. That's where we're at in that uh but i am uh, now i'm going to play you a clip from our buddy rand paul
4: you might be president trump's biggest supporter when it comes to the move to withdraw u.s service members from northern uh syria what advice did you offer the president before he made this decision
3: he and i didn't talk one-on-one on it this was his decision but i agree completely that it was the best thing not only for our troops but it's also the best way to adhere to the Constitution. The Constitution says you don't declare a war unless Congress votes on it. And who are we gonna declare war against? Our ally Turkey, the Free Syrian Army that used to be our ally, Assad. It's a sort of a messy situation, but he was told by the Turks that they were coming one way or another, and they had 50 troops. 50 troops don't stop 10,000 troops. You don't go to war with 50 troops. I think he made the right decision. I'm reminded of Beirut when we made the wrong decision and had 300 marines in a barracks that weren't well protected. I think if 50 troops had been massacred in there then we'd mm-hmm. be in an enormous war. So I think he made the right decision.
4: You really think that Erdogan would have sent the Turks across the border with US service members? There? I mean that's the only thing that had kept them from attacking before.
3: Well no I don't think so. I think that uh, you've, what you found is in the early footage you saw and I think you all showed some of this footage that you saw some of our special operations teams having bombs still dropping very close to them. So they didn't seem to be deterred even though we still had soldiers in the region. So I think it was strategically the best thing to do. But also here's the thing that may end up happening. This may be the best thing that ever happened to the Kurds because they need a protector in Syria that's willing to stay. We had been preventing having them talk to Assad. Now they've made an alliance with Assad and the irony of this is it may end up being the best thing that ever happened to them. If Assad and Erdogan can now have a truce and Assad will agree to patrol the Syrian side of this, Mm. there's a possibility that the Kurds could have an autonomous region similar to what they have in Iraq.
4: That seems like very wishful thinking, if you don't mind my saying. We'll see, Jake. Nobody knows. The the president's former point man on ISIS said today that, quote, U.S. personnel have been scrambling to evacuate positions surrounded by hostile Turkish backed opposition forces. They're evacuating under duress and then bombing positions so nobody can seize them. Do you have any concerns about forget the idea of withdrawing US forces? We understand that you support that. Do you have an understanding about the way many people feel this was rash, it was sudden, it was not done in consultation with the Pentagon, it was not done in consultation with the State Department, with US allies, and there are Kurds who are innocent civilians who have been right. killed by the Turks and the Turkish backed militia.
3: He said from the very beginning, our goal was to wipe out ISIS, and we did. Our goal was not to create a homeland for the Kurds. But ISIS if prisoners you, are, are getting you want to, out of the prisoner. Well, if you the want prisoners. to have a homeland for the Kurds, it might take 100,000 troops. That's not what we signed up for. That's no. not what he said we were for. And I'm not for putting that kind of troops into an area. See, here's the irony the left hated the Iraq War and hated George Bush for it. A Syrian war where we went in and create a homeland for the Kurds would be just as messy as the Iraq war. So I think the left needs to get over their hatred of President Trump and say, you know what, do we want another messy war in the Middle East? It used to be the left was against war in the Middle East. What happened to the left? But what- And uh, a
0: brilliant highlight and takeaway from this stuff is how the U.S. is engaged in warfare and, and, and these regime changes, these regime changes warfare and all at the whim of whoever's in the presidency, whoever's sitting in the White House, when the Constitution strictly forbids that. Strictly forbids that. And then you have votes like this going on in the Senate, and how bills are trying to get passed. Here's Rand Paul on an objection regarding
4: that. I ask unanimous consent that the Senate proceed to the immediate consideration of calendar number 246, H.J. Res. 77, that the joint resolution be read a third time and the Senate vote on passage with no intervening action or debate.
3: Is there objection? Madam President. The senator from Kentucky. Reserving the right to object, the Constitution is quite clear on this subject. If the minority leader wishes to engage in the civil war in Syria that's been going on for nearly a decade, we should obey the Constitution. He should come to the floor and say that we are ready to declare war, we are ready to authorize force, and we are going to stick our troops in the middle of this messy, messy, five-sided civil war, where we would be ostensibly opposed to the Turkish government that has made an incursion. We would then be opposed to our NATO ally. would be the first time in history that we would be inserting ourselves militarily against a NATO ally. None of this is to excuse Turkey's action. And in fact, today I will offer a resolution that would actually do something. The resolution that's being offered is simply a way to have petty partisan criticism of the president infect this body. Mine actually would have the force of law and would prevent any arms from being sold to Turkey, which would be a serious rebuke to what they're doing in Syria. But the Constitution is quite clear. No authorization has ever been given for the use of force in Syria. No authorization of declaration of war, no permission to be there at all. So if they want to insert themselves into the civil war, by all means, let's have a debate. Let's have the constitutional debate. But I, for one, am not willing to send one young man or one young woman, one soldier over there without a clear mission. There is no clear mission. There is no clear enemy, and in fact, The war is largely over. Assad is going to remain for better or worse. So we have a despot on one side, Erdogan. We got another despot on the other side, Assad. And here's the deal, the Kurds have to live there. It's it's despairing that they have to live there. But you know what? Their best chance for survival is having an ally inside of Syria. If they become allied, and it appears they are, if they become allied with Assad, do you know what? there is a possibility of a Kurdish area within Syria. There may well be an opportunity for a Kurdish area similar to what has happened in Iraq. So I object to this resolution because this resolution does nothing to fix the problem. My resolution would stop arms sales to Turkey, and so I will object to this resolution.
0: Syrian civil war, U.S. involvement, and all that all that jazz. So, guys, that's going to do it for me. Thanks for listening. You can catch me on Facebook.com slash the FritzCast, at FritzQS on Twitter, FritzCastPodcast at gmail.com. And remember, I love you all, and I shall see you all next week.